electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, the White House's new, new framework on spending priorities. Let's do this. No, you don't have enough votes for that. Well, how about a carbon tax? Yeah. No, we can't do that. The ups and downs of the final hours. The whole situation's a clown car. You can't have, quote, bipartisan support to go spend money you don't have. And the countdown to Christmas already. Toy makers working like busy elves against a supply chain squeeze to get toys under trees. CEO of Mattel, Anon cries. We expedited procurement of raw materials. We accelerated production of finished goods. We secured access to additional ports and shipping lanes. We did a really good job in finding ways to mitigate some of the disruption. Plus, Apple's privacy changes hitting the ad prices for others in tech. CNBC's John Ford. Apple likes to say it's not a monopoly and it's got minor unit share in smartphones, but this is a glimpse of the company's actual power, and it's a problem. Or is it? We'll have both sides to the argument and much more. It's Thursday, October 28, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. First up, what to spend, what to tax, spend, tax. Yesterday on the pod, we told you about congressional Democrats' hunt to raise revenue with possible increased tax on the capital gains of the wealthiest Americans. This was one of many recent trial balloons around the idea of hiking taxes on the rich, which deflated late yesterday on the reported opposition of Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. And new ideas floated up, including a 5% tax on income over $10 million and more on incomes at $20 million and beyond. This flurry of alternatives and negotiations comes at a critical moment for the Biden administration's Build Back Better agenda, the very foundation of which is the large spending bill that the president is wrangling support for for moderate and progressive members of his own party. Yesterday, President Biden met with Senate Budget Committee Chairman Bernie Sanders, the architect of the original very progressive $3.5 trillion proposal, and White House aides met with key Democrats on Capitol Hill. The political clock ticking loudly. Today, President Biden travels to Rome for the G20 summit ahead of a trip to Scotland for the United Nations Climate Change Conference, and he wants a win before he leaves. But the devil is in the details. As always, here's Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Andrew kicks things off. The tax on billionaires and what seems to have fallen apart, but now a new move towards these towards this idea of super brackets. So, well, the, the tax on billionaires that to be not we're not going to necessarily tax. Um, we're not going to tax the unrealized gains, right? But, but we're going to create some new brackets at ten million, uh, and we're going to create another mm-hmm. bracket at twenty-five million. We might put a five percent tax or surcharge at or 3%. the 10, ten million. For and then billionaires, and, right. and then again, twenty-five on top. I, I mean, I, I think it might be a three percent tax on billionaires that they're considering too. A three percent additional surtax. We'll, we'll see what happens. But it, I, look, you can talk about rates. Five percent, five percent over ten million, and then there'd be an additional three percent over twenty-five million. 
But at least that's a discussion on rates and not unrealized right. gains, which seems crazy. Did you read the, the journals, Lita, op-ed? It's like really calling it just a, a comedy. I mean, just to, to be just throwing these things out without ever explaining whether there might be any economic consequences or people moving or, 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 or just to do, well, let's do this. No, you don't have enough votes for that. Well, how about a carbon tax? Yeah. No, we can't do that. All right. Let's just do the unrealized gains. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. No, now Manchin won't do that. Well, let's do this. No. Senate Budget Committee Chairman Bernie Sanders. What world are we living in well, right now? He wanted a six trillion dollar plan. And we got to get this done quick because Joe's got to have something to say in in Scotland. Well, that's to me, this doesn't signal that this is close. Don't know what's in it. To me, it doesn't. Right. To me, it doesn't signal that they're close on anything. He wanted a framework before he left for Scotland to be able to say that we have a framework for paying for this. But the idea that he's got to now go talk to the progressive caucus in the House and say, please vote for this bipartisan infrastructure deal that that both sides were able to come together on. I mean, it just shows you that they don't have any control. Here's what I would do. Andrew, see if you'll do this with me. Here's what I want to do. Okay. 15%, 2 billion and above wealth tax. That way you a don't do tax? it on a bill. You don't do it on a billion and above because if you do 15%, the guy's not even a billionaire anymore. He's only worth 850 at that point. So do it on two. They lose 300 of Milski. So they're still at 1.7. They can still, you know, they're tightening their belt a little, uh, you know, maybe not do quite as much. Their yacht okay. cut a few feet off the Is that a one-time or an annual 15% wealth I'm ready tax. to do an annual just to watch some of these rich guys. Your buddy Warren, I want to see him oh, when, he, when he hears about that. I don't think, you know, look, he's going to okay. give it all away I'm, anyway. I'm going to think about that one, Joe. But him and Munger. Elon Musk is not, is not mad. Have you seen what he's, is not happy. Have you seen what he's been tweeting? Yes. Why wouldn't he? Yes. This is but, like a, this is Joe, like Keystone Cops. And, and, and here's one, one last thing, Andrew. Let me say one more thing. The idea that, oh, there's these two people that won't go along with the 40. There's 52 that won't go along with it. And that 48, where's the 48 that are also saying there might be a problem? Why only Manchin and Cinema? Where okay. is Mark Warner? Where is Senator Coons? Okay. Where are these normal Joe, senators that don't have a problem with, with this process? Yeah, Andrew. Joe, we're, we're going to agree and disagree on the following. The okay. whole situation's a clown car. It's a clown car. It is. It's a clown well, car, what's happening. I love that you okay, say so that. So we'll agree that the process is a clown car. Right, but we need agree. revenue. But we need revenue. Let's do it. The 15%, baby. The problem is you can't have, quote, bipartisan support to go spend money you don't have. And the right. problem, in truth, is that we have both Republicans and now certain Democrats who are very happy to spend money but not pay for it. And so right. everybody sits They'd around saying, deficit. we want They'd to spend this money, deficit. we want to do this, 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 and this, and this. Nope. But, we're un- but, but, but every time we look at any option, oh, that doesn't work, that doesn't work, we can't do that. We can't. It's the opposite of what you just said. And but so I'm not sure I've, where we're going to land. I told you I'm ready, ready, and what do I care? For people that have over $2 million. I mean, well, I'm, not look, stick, I'm actually surprised that. that you're in favor of a wealth tax because, again... I'm really I, not. It's just, I, I don't, want to, do, I don't the, want to spend all this money. I don't want to turn into an entitlement state, cradle to grave. I don't want to do it. I don't I'd mind rather, putting a surtax above a certain point on income. I don't mind putting I'd start paying off the $22 trillion. Up. I, right. I, none of that bothers me. Like start if you, if paying you want off to, the that's stuff we already spent. Conversation. Start spending less. Don't, don't spend more and pretend you're paying for it by, by just... Picking some sector of the economy to, well, that's to not go after with this drug prices. Let's go after drug prices. Yeah, what I don't those. understand, what I don't yeah. understand, though, Joe, you're prepared to do all these all these different things. Why can't we just do the basics, the low hanging fruit? 
deal with the estate tax, clean up the yeah. carried interest piece, Those right. are all deal reasonable. with some of the real estate loopholes. Right. Fund I mean, the IRS you know, so that they can catch the cheaters. Actually enforce yeah. tax Andrew, you said it, you said it yesterday. You said it yesterday when you were being cynical. Remember, you said I'm being cynical. Which the Democrats get a lot of money from the hedge fund community, right? That's what you said. Oh, interest. I agree, but yeah, yes. so they're not going to do carrying okay, interest. It, it is completely disingenuous. I know. The, the, I Demo- know. the Democrats that are, that continue together. to have carried interest good. in the in the tax program. People, you should be a guest. Anybody should be a guest. Right. It just it. But, but by the way, if the parties were flipped. You know, I didn't see certain people being as aghast the other time around. So pretty amazing. But there are there are people that the first bill that there there are some people in the Democratic Party in the House that that wanted to start at 10 trillion. And then they were given concessions to go to six trillion uh, and five trillion. There are really people that want to do that and think that it that think that there will be no negative consequences. Bernie Sanders wanted to start at six. that, right, the chairman of the Senate Budget Committee. Where are I'm not going to defend Bernie Sanders, but I will say this, and it's not the way I, I negotiate, but there are people who do this. Uh, by the way, I think our former president used to right. talk say about this. Say a lot. They would describe it as the anchoring technique. If you, if you, if you say something it's completely wild. It's such a clumsy wild, negotiation. It, it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a clumsy negotiation, negotiation That's tactic, playing some silly game. Fun. Right. I know, well, but, but it, it just, it, you know, it's the art of haggling taken to the nth degree, and it looks silly. But, but one and a quarter on the regular, or 1.2 on the regular infrastructure, and, and then uh, now one and 1. three quarters or yeah. two, we're still, I mean, that starts adding up at some point. Three trillion, doesn't it? I mean, it's yeah. a real number. Look, I, I think your first point was the right one, though, that this is all really? happening slapdash oh. in the last minute. So these are very complicated sorts of, of policies and procedures and trying to figure out how to make them work, how to make them, you know, loop loophole right. proof so that right. you can't work your way around right. it. They came up with what to spend how it on first, and we're going to figure out how to. That, Here's what we're spending it on. We'll figure out where we get it uh, afterwards. And maybe not. We'll just get the, in the bill. We'll find out what's in the bill afterwards. You know, that's but the I think it's just indicative of, of what kind of a crazy caucus this is, how hard it right. is to herd cats at this point. Democrat cats. Well, because Republicans you've only got three votes in the House, and right. you, don't, you have uh, like the one vote majority with the vice president voting in the Senate, so you just don't have anybody you can lose, and that makes everybody really powerful. And, and, and I think Joe Biden it, right. said it himself. You know, everybody's the president when you go to the Senate and you, you have such a tight um, uh, mandate in terms of the votes that you have there. Yeah, maybe it's not a good idea to try to do so much when you really don't have the political capital or the people in place to, to vote for it. Joe, you got the numbers, sir. Uh, I do Comcast uh, reporting its uh, results uh, this morning. And I can just tell you that uh, off, right off the top, uh, the company is kind of uh, saying these are pretty good. Strong uh, quarter across the entire company, uh, beating uh, metrics, analyst metrics, um, almost uh, across the board. Uh, when you look at Comcast, obviously, it, it is a there's so many different uh, facets of, uh, of the business. Um, and then, you know, we, the pandemic and the emergence from the pandemic, Comcast is an interesting animal to look at uh, with that because of the theme parks, which had almost record uh, operations, even though people aren't coming uh, from Europe really yet. And that, that was mostly uh, Orlando. Uh, the, the, theme, the studios saw revenue increase of almost 27 percent. 
uh, to $2.4 billion. That was by uh, Fast and Furious 9 and the Boss Baby family business. That I, I know. You that, did? Yes, our household. The Boss Baby's big in our house. The, uh, a, a, the company, it, when people look for, for a fly in the ointment, they always look at video losses, which uh, and the company always points out, as we've said again and again, we do not chase uh, or Comcast is not chasing um, discounted uh, video customers, and they continue to have net additions in broadband, plus 300,000, uh, 1.1 million broadband subs. And, and I don't know, is that still a, a concern? If you're, use, if you're losing, you are losing cable uh, TV video customers, uh, not, a half a, not a half a million, but close. So that every, if that would be almost 2 million a quarter. So you can see the, the cord cutting is something uh, to be concerned with. But uh, the company would say, you know, you, you do streaming. Uh, you know, they, they added some of the assets from Sky, which the company says continues uh, to perform very well, maintain its momentum in the U.K., healthy EBITDA, revenue, customer relationships, low churn, uh, and everything else. So uh, the cable, NBC Universal, the cable uh, right. operations continue to do well. They, I, you know, I, what do you think of those theme you see parks, Squawk Joe, Park? Did you see, the, Yeah, theme parks record. Did you see Squawk Box mentioned in the actual release? I did not. It's a pretty big company. Can't say that that's a huge know, surprise. That, I haven't gone to the I'm surprised it's not its own line item. It probably should be. But Are uh, you sure it's you know, not? It's still a, NBC Universal revenue up 57.9% uh, just NBC Universal revenue. Up to ten billion. We had uh, Olympics, things like that. Uh, obviously, um, the broadband customer additions that you mentioned. I think that's a, a key point because that's what what hit the stock a, a month or so ago when there were questions from the CFO about. You know, he made some comments at a conference, just saying maybe you're not going to continue to see the same sort of growth that we've seen in the past because during the pandemic, people were signing up for broad, broadband hand over fist. But total broadband customer additions, as you mentioned, up three hundred thousand for the full year, one point one million year to date. Just year to date to this point. Right. Well, it was a sixty-one or sixty-two dollar stock. Yeah, it was. So I don't know what's in this. I mean, there are positive things in this release that I don't know. To an objective observer like me, do not seem to warrant a fifty-three dollar price uh, on the stock. But that's um, up one percent based on what they've seen today. But that's just. Uh, we, we, go ahead, Andrew. Well, no, I was just going to say, you know, what's so interesting about the studio revenue, it's up 26 to 27 percent. Look, look, see, I told you 53, 53. Now it's up a dollar 11. See, any objective person. You know, there there were higher expenses right now. And I know people are going to look at that in terms of operating expenses on the studio side. But the truth is that you have to sort of look through those numbers, I think, because there was a whole period where they weren't spending money to make films and TV shows. That money is being spent now, and I think you're going to start to see um, that, you know, you, you'll see the results of that, I imagine, over the next six, six months, so into the, into the next quarter and the quarter after. Um, we're still saving some money. Uh, you getting any good at doing your own makeup yet, Sorkin? You get, uh, I think I mean, you, you are. You tell me. You tell me. <laughs> How does it look? Next on Squawk Pod, the supply chain squeeze and the modern Barbie doll with Mattel CEO and on Barbie is the most diverse doll in the market, and it continues to evolve, be more relevant, and really a modern reflection of the world for today's kids and families. It's less than two months to Christmas, and all the toys are still on their way. 
Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Becky. The holiday shopping season is almost upon us. It is probably going to be the biggest test yet of America's strained supply chain since container-filled ships with goods started backing up at the U.S. ports several months ago. Still, toy makers like Mattel say that it should be able to meet most of the consumer demand for the products like Barbies and Hot Wheels cars. Mattel recently reported third quarter revenue and profit that beat the street's expectations, and it raised its guidance for the third time this year. For more on the holiday shopping season, we're joined right now by Enon Kreis. He's the chairman and CEO of Mattel. And Enon, it's good to see you. Um, why are you so sure that you can meet all this demand that we know we're going to be facing for these toys? What have you guys done to prepare? Well, Becky, you have watched our recent journey and you are seeing the, uh, the progress since we announced our strategy to transform into an IP-driven, high-performing toy company. We have strong momentum in our business and almost doubled the growth rate of the industry this past quarter. And as you said, uh, we, are, we just raised our guidance for the third time this year, and we are on track to achieve our highest full-year growth rate in decades. Uh, you know, after growing and gaining market share for five quarters in a row, we expect to continue driving growth in the fourth quarter, increase market share and have a strong holiday season. You know, the, the stock market has rewarded you. You know, and if you're looking for the last year, the stock's up 46 percent, up 20 percent just year to date at this point. Um, but I think a lot of people had been kind of waiting to see what was going to happen for the fourth quarter. You, you told the street very recently that you think you can handle the demand. But but why is that? What have you guys done to make sure you'll have toys that, that everybody wants for the holidays? Well, our supply chain and commercial organizations have been able to successfully navigate through disruptions. It's not that we were not impacted. But we did a really good job in finding ways to mitigate uh, for some of the, of, of the disruption. We anticipated short supply and longer lead times and factored that into our planning with very, very clear and very specific mitigating actions. We, we expedited procurement of raw materials. We accelerated production of finished goods. We, we booked and contracted the ocean freight capacity and some rates in advance. We secured access to additional ports and shipping lanes. And, you know, this is really where our scale, expertise and flexible supply chain model come into play and, 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 and showing to be a real advantage for Mattel. Yeah, it's a huge uh, win to be able to get toys to the shelves, but, but it doesn't come cheaply. All, all of those additional measures you had to take and expediting things and plastics prices, resins prices have gone up pretty significantly, as have a lot of other inputs. What, what does that mean in terms of what things are costing you at this point and how much of that can you pass on to the consumer? 
Uh, cost inflation remains volatile and, and difficult to forecast going forward. We raised prices in the, uh, in the third quarter and expect that between price actions and, and cost savings on our side, over time, we will be able to mitigate uh, inflation impact. Meaning that the consumer is willing to do that at this point? They, they want toys and they've prioritized spending on toys at this point? Yeah, we, we're seeing a continued strong consumer demand for our product. Uh, we're entering the fourth quarter with great momentum and off to a, a very good start. Uh, in terms of uh, preparation for the uh, holiday season, um, you know, our plans are strong. Retail uh, uh, programs uh, are in place. The promotional plans uh, are looking great. And we have an exciting range of new product that, uh, that we believe consumer would love and enjoy. You know, you talked a little bit about the transformation that was taking place at the company before we saw the pandemic. And, and, and that's something the street's been watching very closely, this idea of making sure that you're kind of tying things up with Hollywood in some way, with film and movies and, and making sure there's some cross-promotion that's taking place and, and, and the toys that you're building kind of play naturally into that. Um, then you had the pandemic where adults were way more willing to spend money on toys because they weren't spending money in other places. Their kids were stuck at home. They wanted to make sure they were entertained. How do you kind of take apart those two storylines to explain why the evolution that you're, the, you're, the change that you're making at the company is really paying off above and beyond what we've seen with the pandemic? Now, on, the, on the toy side uh, and on the core business, we've made tremendous progress. Our EBITDA, in, uh, just before we started the, uh, the transformation in 2017, was $126 million. And we just put a guidance out at $925 million of adjusted EBITDA this year. So in four years, we went from 126 to guided to be more than 900 million. So that's significant progress. We made uh, also significant progress on improving our balance sheet. Leverage ratio is below three, and we're making very very consistent progress towards becoming investment grade uh, credit, you know, uh, reaching investment grade uh, credit metrics. Uh, so we are uh, on the toy side, on the core toy side, we are now performing uh, uh, really strongly. On the second part of our strategy to capture the full value of our intellectual properties, we also uh, made a lot of progress. We put the building blocks in place. We have 13 movies in development right now. We just released eight television shows this year alone. We have 13 more in production and more than 30 in development. So on, uh, in terms of the opportunity to capture full value from our catalog, which is one of the strongest portfolio of children and family entertainment franchises in the world, there's a lot of opportunity for us to grow our business in addition to everything we do on the toy side of the company. Well, I mean, is that the future before this for, for people who don't know? You, you, you ran a Maker Studios that was acquired by Disney Studios. How important is that link between the intellectual property, making sure that that's used as a marketing tool to get kids back interested in toys? How, how does that kind of work? It really is about finding ways to connect and engage with consumers. We do it at Mattel really well with a very clear brand purpose and, and, a, and, a, and a mission that the company put out to, uh, to create innovative products and experiences that inspire, entertain, and develop children through play. And in addition to being very culturally relevant, all of our toys have very strong connection to the audience, um, uh, are timely and timeless at the same time. We're very focused on design uh, and are proud of our innovation. And as a company, do a really good job in executing our plans between supply chain, 
commercial capabilities and, uh, and world-class design uh, and innovation, we're putting out products that bring together quality, safety, and value for consumers and seeing that in the numbers in terms of growth, momentum, and, and increased market share. For Barbie specifically, I mean, Barbie was a toy that I think lost some of its luster for a while. It's come back. It's now the number one global toy brand. How much of that is because of the changes in diversity and, and, and the different dolls that you're kind of making that, that look very different than, than just the Barbies of the past? Yeah, Barbie is just an incredible success story and a really good example of the Mattel playbook. Barbie is the most diverse doll in the market, and it continues to evolve, be more relevant, uh, and, and, and really a modern reflection of the world for today's kids and families. Barbie uh, is dedicated to helping create a better world for kids everywhere by focusing on diversity, equality, and, and inclusion, uh, and also uh, a lot of work on sustainability. So what you're seeing is, is really strong connection with consumers, Demand for the Barbie product and all of its segments remains strong as we head into the fourth quarter and expect to see uh, Barbie growing also this holiday season. Dinan, thanks so much. It's good to see you. Thank you so much. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, Apple changing what data can be collected on your smartphone is having financial ripple effects across the tech and e-commerce industries. Apple changing the rules and immediately collecting a windfall? That's a pretty hardcore move. Probably too much power for one company to wield. We dig into it with CNBC's John Ford right after this. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Track stand Joe Biden. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Joe Kernan. We've now gotten earnings from Snap, Facebook, and others, and it's clear that Apple's new restrictions on data collection are having a sweeping effect on the digital advertising market. Do the numbers prove that Apple has too much power uh, in digital ads? Does this sound like a John Fort intro? If it does, it's because it is. We're here to weigh in. Here it's weigh in. Oto. Oto, on the other hand. Hey, That's John. That's right. Hey, Joe. Well, I mean, yeah. Snapchat was down 25% after earnings. And that was after CEO Evan Spiegel told us earlier this year he didn't expect much impact. Facebook got hit, too, warning that Apple's anti-targeting moves are going to continue to cause headwinds. And Apple likes to say it's not a monopoly and it's got minor unit share in smartphones. But this is a glimpse of the company's actual power. And it's a problem. I mean, one of the reasons it's a problem is that Apple's own advertising business seems to be benefiting from these changes. That's right. According to data from payments company Branch, Apple's ad share could be up 3x over the last six months because app makers who now lack targeting ability are relying on Apple search ads to drive installs. I guess we can debate whether tracking online had gone too far, but Apple changing the rules and immediately collecting a windfall, that's a pretty hardcore move. Probably too much power for one company to wield, Joe. We talked about this a lot, John, and it was Snap, but it, it didn't happen with with the with some of the others. Google, Twitter, not nearly as much effect. Why not? Uh, well, Joe. On the other hand, 
Google is pretty big in digital advertising, isn't it? So if Apple were crushing the whole market, you'd expect Google to feel it. Let's see. Alphabet earnings Tuesday, uh, stocks up 5% yesterday. Twitter's results didn't suffer from the Apple situation because it's doing 85% brand advertising, not direct response. Adobe, another big name in digital advertising. If Apple were really strong-arming in ads and data, you'd expect Adobe to complain. Adobe CEO told me Tuesday, privacy is important, and these Apple changes are focusing their partners on having a direct relationship with the customer, which is healthy. Okay, now let's deal with this question of whether Apple's making money off its data restrictions. Not really. It turns out if apps can't snoop on your iPhone activity to influence your behavior, they have to buy search ads instead. Good. That's a good sign. These results aren't showing Apple has too much power. They're showing that companies like Snap and Facebook that have built businesses based on tracking or direct response can rewire the process to be less intrusive. And brands can build direct relationships with us without spying on us if they put in the work, Joe. So what happens next with, with this, uh, all the, the chaos, the upheaval in the uh, digital advertising business, John? Well, Joe, I think it's an interesting opportunity for some companies like Adobe, like Shopify, like so many of these companies that are trying to uh, arm uh, direct-to-consumer companies and others to have a more one-on-one relationship with the customer to do that. It's also perhaps a return to, I don't know, uh, targeting things to people based on their search activity or based on the content they're looking at, not based on following them around uh, without them knowing to figure out who they are. So can you take requests? Can you do whether these these things that Twitter puts on my feed that I didn't ask for are a good or a bad thing? Can you do that? Let me ask you, would you like to know out of a set of 19 twins where one of these twins became famous, but the other didn't? Would you like to know any of those or, or, or about those people? Should I scroll through that? Does that why is that here? I do take requests from you, Joe. So. Yes, we will. Becky, did you see that one today? I saw it a while. I saw it a while ago. And you scrolled through? I, I I'm. I, what can I say? Clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I got mad, and I say I'm not interested, and they don't care. No, they don't. Well, if Becky clicked on it. You know, then. Becky clicked on it. I'm part of your problem. <laughs> yeah, there you go. By me clicking on it, it encourages them. So funny. Only Twitter. encourages them. I feel bad for the. I do feel bad for the. Not. Well, but do you want fame? Chasing fame is like chasing your tail. It's not worth it. Maybe the other twin is the one that is actually doing better, John, right? Look where it got you, though, Joe. You're you're on Squawk Box. Yeah, here we are talking about it. All right, we've got to go. Thanks, John. That is Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in to CNBC weekday mornings at 6 Eastern for warm, collegial, fellow feeling about the biggest issues of the day. I know, I know. We're all together. This feels good. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at Squawk CNBC. Let us know what you think anytime. And we'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.